two, three, go. Welcome to Sports Med Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. Over the past month, we had six posts on sportsmedres.org. That's res.org. These posts included three consensus or position statements related to exercise medicine curriculum for medical school, residency, and fellowship, occupational therapy's role in pain management, and shoulder injury prevention, rehabilitation, and return to sport. In the next post, we reported on an article where the authors found that recreational runners who recovered from COVID-19 had different running mechanics than healthy controls. These changes are associated with higher rates of injury, and therefore, we may want to consider extra steps to reduce the risk of injury among runners with a history of COVID-19. In another post, we summarized a randomized clinical trial where the authors found that people with persistent concussion symptoms and fear coping or pushing through the pain behaviors could benefit from psychological-based rehabilitation programs such as graded exposure therapy. And in the final post, we described a systematic review where the authors concluded that clown interventions, these are interventions that involve humor-based distraction, like magic tricks or singing, decreases acute pain and hospital stays in children 2 to 7 years old. Here to discuss the idea of humor in our sports medicine practice is our post writer, Kyle Harris, SportsMedRes's co-founder, Dr. Stephen Thomas, and Dr. John Kelly. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. So I think it's important to start off with your experiences with either using or seeing a clown intervention used in different athletes. Um, maybe a brief summary on strategies that you've seen employed, uh, just to give us an idea of exactly what this idea of a clown intervention would be. Well, I, I think I could hop in first and say, you know, I think that the ease of symptoms and, and the ease of pain, you know, with this intervention is interesting. But I think another thing to think about and, and look at in terms of humor is, is the effect of healing and the effect of kind of stress going into a procedure. So, you know, I think Dr. Kelly could talk, talk you know, a lot about his kind of uh, clinical practice and how he approaches it, especially from a surgical standpoint. So, you know, when patients are coming in for surgery, they're nervous, they're anxious, they're, you know, they're a bit stressed and that could have an impact on the outcome after that surgery. So I know, you know Kel approaches that a lot of humor going into that day to try to ease some of them. So I don't know if you want to touch on that a little more, Kel. I think that progressive commercial says it all. I feel nervous. So am I. We'll get through this. No, but uh, I have to make a comment on this because the study is fundamentally flawed as applies to athletic training. Your kids who are under much less stress and they're not able to process humor. So I find humor, you know, this scripture all over the place, but humor is the best medicine. Uh, it breaks the ice. There is lots of, uh, I wouldn't say level one evidence, but Michelle Monaco and I, she's a good friend, trainer. We did a talk on this years ago and I looked up some literature, endorphins, heart rate, blood pressure, circulation, oxygenation, immunity. It has been shown to lower pain threshold and emotional release. And also it helps engagement with the patient. I mean, you want to have a, a good rapport with your patient. So nothing breaks the ice more, I think, than a good proper, you know, uh, I think appropriate joke. Nothing that's uh, harmful, used as a weapon. 
self-effacing humor always works, but there's numerous studies extolling the value of humor as it relates to not only physiological functions, but also establishing rapport, rapport uh, with your patient. So I, I don't think seven-year-olds apply to most of the people that we see in our practice. That was something that jumped off to me as I was looking and doing the post was the inclusion criteria for studies. I mean, it's a high level study, which is really, really nice in that it's a systematic review, but the inclusion criteria where it, the studies had to be a randomized controlled trial study design, uh, include children from zero to 17 years old, and it had to directly compare a clown intervention to standard care. And I think that there is probably a lot of other information that's out there to your point, Dr. Dr. Kelly, about how this how this might be employed, what effects it might have that didn't meet these inclusion criteria. I can answer that by saying, you know, clown is a generalized intervention, but as Steve knows all too well, you, you direct humor towards the patient. And if someone's really anxious, you do an ice-breaking comment. If someone is not so anxious, maybe a little down, you do like an uplifting comment. Like, you know, Steve knows if someone's really nervous, I'll walk in, I'll say, what's up? May we do it today. And you have, to, you have to choose your audience. Some people may be offended by that. And you have to have an emotional intelligence to, to read the room, read the room and say, what, it's, what does this patient need right now? And um, sometimes, you know, people like after, uh, we did a study on depression after ACL surgery. Sometimes they're depressed. So you need, they need a complimentary joke. Like, you know, you're so pretty or you're so smart. <clears throat> of course, everyone knows that Steve Thomas's IQ is higher than my my malpractice premium, uh, or my weight, which Steve has become an issue lately. In fact, Kyle, uh, this year for Father's Day, my wife said, what do you want? I said, I want something that's silver and shiny, goes from zero to 204 seconds. So Jeff, she got me a bathroom scale. <laughs> so you know, you know what I'm saying? This, this study doesn't apply to the general populace that we see. And, and you have to read the athlete and see what they need and you say something positive, edifying way, whether it's to make them feel better, to affirm their confidence, to reassure them, to break the ice. And it has to be positive and it's given with love. That's the key. And if you're going to take a shot, you take it at yourself, not at them. Now, doesn't that explain, though, why they didn't find success among the 8 to 18-year-olds was it takes a bit of tailoring, which is hard to do in a randomized clinical trial to personalize the humor intervention, right? Like it's not a one size fits all of, oh, let's give a magic trick to an 18 year old. Exactly. A lot of them aren't like that. And it's, it's like up there maybe just doing a monologue to all your patients at once. It has to be very, very personalized. An audience, I, I never engaged with a, an argument with Jeff Goodman because he's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, he was Doogie Hauser's tutor in grad school. So that's how smart he is. Cal, so I'm gonna ask you a question. So what are your thoughts with humor kind of going into an athletic event in terms of like risk of injury, right? Because I'll just kind of give an example. Like you've been in, you know, a lot of locker rooms and a lot of, uh, you know, you know, in that prep for the, the game. And, and it's like two different worlds from my experience in football and in baseball. Yeah. So in, base, in baseball, they're joking, they're playing pranks on each other, leading right up to the game. And in football, it's so serious, you could hear a pin drop in that locker room before you go out. Like, does it, yeah. do you think that has any, you know, uh, implications in terms of getting injured? Well, sure. You know, the, the paradigm that we have to work with is that <clears throat> happy athletes perform better. And we all know the anxiety versus uh, under uh, stimulation, you know, curve that 
they want to hit that sweet spot where they're excited about the game. They're not so stressed out that they, they tank themselves or they're not motivated enough that they go out and, and, and put out. And I believe in something called the sandwich thing. You're going to get, maybe you start with an affirmation and then you put in a joke and then you end up with affirmation. So most of the athletes I, the, I see use a, you know, a little bit of affirmation, stroking, if you will. And it goes a long, long way, especially for a game. You know, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of not having a good game. You give them a little affirmation, say, boy, my gosh, I want you to have a great game. You're a great player. Uh, is it true that uh, you, know, you can bench press the building and then you end up by, you know, this guy you're going against is a chump. You're going to kill him. You know, so that, that's how I work, work it in, uh, you know, sandwiches sometimes. But it's really part of it, developing that emotional intelligence and reading the athletes, see what they need. You know, sometimes... Uh, what that athlete needs is just to chill. And, and you have the hovering helicopter parent and you just say to yourself, hey, look, kid, you know, we love you. You're going to be all right. No matter what happens, just do your best. I know that you're going to kill this. And I got the Eagles calling me on, on line three right now. So, you know, something like that. And that was where my mind went as I was looking at this. I've done a, a previous post about the influence of parents on children. As soon as I see that this, this study actually found an impact on two to seven-year-olds, I mean, they're the patients that you're going to have that aren't going to be without a parent. And so that would be another level now on top of this that you're going to have to read not only the patient, but also the parent a little bit. Is that, would you think that's right? Absolutely. You know, I, I love athletic trainers for many, many reasons. It's the lifeblood of sports care, but you're the, fur, the front line and you're the ones that take the hit, take the bullet. Uh, and you have to sometimes do damage to the parents. And, you know, uh, Steve and I had an old, friend named let's call him dr phil he would you know confront the parents in, in a, almost a confrontational way they say what's wrong with johnny what's wrong with johnny you're wrong with johnny you're the problem and uh, you know after good confession jeff I, I i actually told a fib once this kid came in was a wrestler he was not having fun he just was he was so stressed out the, the helicopter father was over the table examining so I kind of made up a diagnosis. You have a sprain of the dorsus maximus. You can't wrestle this weekend. And he was like this. And, I, and you know, uh, I went to confession after that telling the fib, but he was so happy that I held him out because he was wrestling for his father. He was not having fun. And you had to pick this thing up. And as a trainer, you, you got to be the, you know, the fall guy. You get in the way, you say, you know, bring your parents in. We'll talk to them. You're not having fun. Why are you doing this? And they're the ones, you know, they get hurt too. And, and Kel, that's a great point. I think, you know, what you said the, about, you know, having that um, emotional intelligence, I think as athletic trainers, it's inherent in a lot of us. And I think too, we know our athletes inside and out, right? We know everything about them. We know about their families. More than the coaches, so, more than uh, anybody else. Right. So, I, you know, we're in a great position to try to introduce some of this. And I, and I love your approach, how you kind of sandwich it with, you know, kind of, you know, the affirmation and getting them built up, but then throw some jokes in there to ease it. And, and you know, so that that is, I think, probably, you know, a record, you know, a recommendation to all athletic trainers is to try to start doing that a little bit more in your practice um, and, and see if it plays an effect, you know. And you can also sandwich bad news too that way too. You start with a little joke to break the ice and you say, well, you know, your MRI came back positive, but... I got the Sixers again, you know, call me every day to find out when you come back. So it's a, it's a wonderful technique you use to sort of break the ice and, and you know, inject it. And obviously in complete seriousness, you don't say, ha, 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 you tore yourself. But you also, you can lead up to it and you can establish rapport. 
the other thing it does is uh, it brings you to the present moment. You know, it makes them laugh thinking right now, I got my trainer talking to me and it made me laugh and all the other problems tend to vanquish. So it's a wonderful thing, but it has to be done with love and respect. So back to Cal, what would you, what do you say to the trainees that kind of come into the room sometimes cold or detached? You know, I feel like some clinicians have that hard time making that connection with the patient and bringing in humor because they have that kind of attachment or remoteness that they bring into the clinic. That is a, that is a both innate and learned skill. And it's a, it's something that is, some people just comes naturally. Um, but I think if you have a good mentor that knows, um, you know, how to read the room and just, you know, ask open-ended questions and just to, uh, you know, you teach people like, like cues, you know, 80% of communication is nonverbal. So you teach your protege, like, you know, look at the athlete's posture, they fold their arms, their hands open. Uh, it, it is definitely a skill. I had a great mentor. My dad was wonderful at reading the room. He taught me every, every meal was like an adventure. So Jeff, unfortunately, some of it's innate, but a good measure of it can be taught. And it's really just taking the cues and looking at little things that are nonverbal. And I think, I think going, you know, as an athletic trainer, having the same approach with parents, I think is definitely needed and useful too. So, you know, they're, especially, you know, you know, Cal, they're the ones in the waiting room waiting to hear how the outcome turn out. They're a nervous wreck. So not even those, you know, helicopter parents that are really kind of, you know, bad for the athlete because they're, they're just living through their kids. But I think just in just, you know, the concerned parent, you know, you need to kind of comfort them and, and, you know, address that. And I'll, I'll just tell a quick story what, what Kel did. Um, so he, he did a meniscal uh, surgery on my mom. So I happened to be in the, in the OR and we came out to the waiting room to tell my dad how it went. And it's an orthopedic waiting room. So Kel comes out and goes, uh, Mr. Thomas, congratulations, it's a boy. And the, so it wasn't just, uh, yeah, it wasn't just my dad laughing. Uh, yeah, the whole waiting room was just cracking up. So, yeah, yeah I think that I think, the second point, eight pounds, two ounces. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a good, yeah, that's a good approach to ease, yeah, to ease, you know, somebody's stress and anxiety while they're sitting there waiting, you know. But you have to, you know, have to inject the truth at some point and it can't be folly, but it's a, it's really just learning how to read the room. And, you know, I have a standard line, Steve knows when I see a, a, a married couple, and I always come in and I usually say to the, to the husband, is this your daughter? Well, and it usually gets a laugh. But one time I had a guy who was probably on his fourth wife and she was much younger. And I just, I knew it was his wife, but I said, is this your daughter? No, it's my wife. Damn it. I'm like, Ugh. I felt like the, uh, uh, what's that? Southwest Airlines want to get away. So you have <laughs> to read the room and you got to be respectful. And, uh, but it's a wonderful way of just, putting people at ease and they, you know, when they know what's the old expression, they don't uh, care how much you know until they know what you care. When you do with the intention of making them feel better, they get that, they get that. You know, so it's all good, but it's a wonderful healing vehicle. And, um, you know, it's underutilized, I think. But remember, humor can't be used as a weapon. The, the, worm, the word sarcasm is derived from like sarcos, which means to tear flesh. You know, don't don't dig it in there and like say, you know, you dummy, you're so dumb. Nah, it's no, there's no need for that. You're 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 the you're the vanguard of their well-being, and you got to just see what they need and give it to them the best way you can. You know, I always say optimism 
her truth cloaked in optimism. Yes, you did tear your ACL, but we got a, we got a game plan and uh, we're going to get you back. We're going to get you back. Yes, you will miss the season. Yes. Um, and yes, you may lose a little bit of a step for a long time, but we'll get you back. Perfect. I think we normally ask people to end on a clinical take-home message, and I think you just did it. So thanks, Dr. Cal, for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Dr. Thomas, for joining us. And I got to plug in. I love trainers. I'm a, thanks to Steve. I'm an honorary member NATA. So Steve, thanks to you. I get my journal every month. So good stuff. And and you're going to be presenting at NATA on a, a surgical talk. Okay, can I just tell, can I just tell jokes? You could do that. Okay. All right. Well, it's great seeing you guys, Steve. Thanks for your opportunity, Kyle and Jeff. Yeah. Anything thank for the you, cause. Kyle. Thank you, you're guys. Right. Yeah. Thank, thanks, everybody. Don't forget that we also share extra material on social media. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our nine online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We will have links to our summaries and the courses on our website and in the show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back next month with more sports medicine research. Until then... Have a fun one.